This is Daniel Fagell, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast, where non-technical professionals stay ahead of the AI curve. If you don't really want to learn Python, but you do want to play a role in molding AI strategy and finding high ROI AI opportunities, you found yourself in the right place. Today, we're speaking about a unique topic, and that is the exploration of data. In almost all of the use cases that we've covered, data plays an important role. We have to collect the data. We have to harmonize the data. We have to use it to train an algorithm. We potentially have to be able to provide a feedback loop from human beings to be able to continuously improve our AI system. This goes for everything from payment fraud to detecting a potential breakage in a jet engine. And you've heard those use cases and everything in between here on the show in the last couple of years. But what does it mean to explore our data? What does it mean to be able to find where the gaps in our data quality are, or potentially the gaps in entire important data fields? In this episode, we talk about where exploration plays a role in finding and refining the right data to serve our AI use case, and we speak this week with Akash Indurkia. He is the co-head of AI at Virtualytics. Virtualytics is a venture-backed firm based in Pasadena, California, and Akash speaks to us this week about not only what exploration is, that is to say, why it's valuable conceptually. When we're dealing with tremendous volumes of data, what does exploration do for us? And this applies to essentially any industry, but also where specifically can better exploration lead to better results, which of course is the purpose of this podcast. So we're going to get down to that part of the business no matter what. And we dive into two separate use cases. One is in drug development and the other is in retail. Vastly different worlds, but relatively similar application of exploring data well to be able to train an AI model and deliver the kinds of results that we want to see in our enterprise. So a bit of a unique angle. Akash does a great job of not making this a technical episode. He's obviously a very technical person and he can certainly go there, but he gives us a great conceptual overview from a C-suite vantage point as to, again, the role and application of exploration. And there's a lot to cover. This episode is brought to you by Virtualytics. To learn more about reaching Emerge's global executive audience, stay tuned to the end of this episode. Without further ado, let's fly right into the episode itself. This is Akash with Virtualytics here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Akash, welcome onto the program. Hi there. Yeah, it's, it's really great to join. Uh, I know today we're going to be diving into the topic of exploration in so much as it ties to getting value out of our data in the enterprise. But I want to start with a definition. You work pretty darn technically in this domain, but I know you also talk to business people. When you're explaining this idea of exploration in the context of enterprise data and AI, how do you want to nutshell it? How should we frame it? Yeah, I mean, I, I liken it back to when they were digging for gold out in the, the Western frontier, right? You have scouts that that need to go out and and find potentially rich segments of, of land. And then once you found that you got something that could be valuable, you send out the whole crew to, to dig it up, right? It's the same thing, right? Nowadays, people have started to solve that data management layer, right? They, they kind of have all this data. In fact, it's kind of an overwhelming amount of data. And so that exploration piece is how do you figure out what you can really do with that data? And so to put some technical words behind that, right? It's you know, when, when you look at a piece of data, how big is it, right? What columns or features do you have included in that? What other data sets are related to that piece of data? How much of the data is missing? So things like that really kind of are a starting point on exploration. And so much of the time, I think people miss that. They want to rush to the AI and the flashy bits that that's, you know, all the buzzwords are around. But if you don't start with exploration, you're kind of 
doomed to fail from the start in a lot of ways. Got it. Yeah. And I can imagine, you know, it might be more relevant in some use cases than others, but certainly a part of the overall mix of finding opportunity. I like the, uh, the, the California gold rush analogy for us here. So we can talk a little bit about for you, where exploration plays a key role in terms of uh, transforming data into value. You're hinting for us here that we can sniff out opportunities, but you also mentioned some other things I thought were interesting. You said, where are there holes in the data? Okay. I didn't think about that immediately. Maybe our audience didn't either. What are some of the other places where exploration really fits an important sort of position in terms of setting us up to, to succeed with AI? What are, what are kind of the areas that allow it to lead to value? Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the biggest things I think um, that that's people are just barely starting to catch on to is looking for one, you know, strong predictors or like strong signals in your data, but also looking for things like bias and, you know, anomalies that might throw off your entire analysis. Right. So especially coming off the the heels of of COVID-19, right, obviously in March 2020, there was some stuff that was very unprecedented it could easily throw off your your models downstream, right? So you've got to kind of do the exploration, do the due diligence to go in, assess, do we want to keep that data? Is it going to, you know, throw off the rest of the model? Or do we very much want to keep that because the model needs to have guardrails in for, for those types of extenuating circumstances? You know, that's like just one way in terms of other stuff that, that can get covered in, in exploration. Got it. Okay. So... There's there's maybe a lot of ways that this can get done. I can imagine right now there are analysts having to do a lot of exploration themselves, right? They're they're looking at their historical data of purchases or instances of fraud or whatever the case may be, and sort of using some rules of thumb and using some some of their own ways of combing the information to figure out where do we have holes and gaps or where maybe are we missing certain fields or features or maybe where do we have big patches where there's errors or what have you. But increasingly, AI is serving some of that function as well. Can you go a little bit into sort of AI-guided exploration? And the more we can make this tangible, I know we're going to get into some examples in a bit, but the more we can make this tangible, the better. But I know that you're very close to this problem. So can you explain, I guess, the AI-guided exploration side of things? Yeah. So think of, like like you said, you've got an analyst, they've been tasked with, all right, find something that we can do that's useful with this, right? Uh, may, maybe there's already kind of an intended use case. 10 years ago, right, you could have maybe solved that in Excel or just, you know, you throw together some quick dashboards and you're like, aha, I found the, the one thing that was of note in this data, right? But obviously in the last decade, there's been this explosion of data, and it's, it's, you know, people always throw out the word big data, right? So you've got lots and lots of records of, of everything going on. But one of the things that's not mentioned when you talk about big data is that it's also gotten much more complex, right? And that means now instead of five or six columns in your spreadsheet, you've got hundreds of columns, right? And so from that perspective, like you said, like a standard analyst, they might you know, go about it the way they always have, it could take them to, to evaluate all the combinations of those columns that may impact your KPI. It could take hours and hours or even weeks for them to get through that, right? When we talk about AI-guided exploration, it's kind of a newer concept, right? Um, it's, it's something that's kind of come about as the AI industry has, has started to mature a little bit. Using AI, you can actually explore your data and look at it the same way that a predictive model would look at it, right? And so what that means is it's cutting down that time where the analyst would manually have to compare and contrast all the different options for how to look at the data. And it, it's using AI to identify, okay, here are the things 
that are really interesting in your data. This is where you've got a combination of columns that really does have an impact on your KPI that that you care about, right? So that's what we mean by AI-guided exploration. The other bit of it is, of course, exploration needs to be visual, right? With the amount of data that's out now, people, their eyes glaze over when they're looking at super big spreadsheets, right? So you have to introduce that visual aspect. And a lot of times, because these analysts, they aren't trained on, on, you know, they aren't experts in data visualization, but they're really good at thinking about things analytically. The AI also can recommend what types of visualizations to look like, right? So this is something that not everyone thinks about, but data visualization is actually a science and an art, right? Hmm. And so not everyone's thinking about, oh, you know, I've got a categorical column with, you know, just like values from a drop down menu, right? Maybe a histogram or a bar chart is better to look at there than a scatter plot. So those are the types of questions that like you're losing precious time to get to the insight when you're relying on an analyst to figure that stuff out on their own. Whereas through automation and AI, you can actually just cut through that and actually identify what the insights are. The last thing I'll say on AI-guided exploration is a lot of times, especially with how complex data has gotten, sometimes even when you're staring at you know, a nice data visualization, sometimes people aren't trained to look at that type of thing, right? Uh, and we want to make all of this easy to expose and very accessible to the masses, right? Because the more we can communicate easily about this stuff, the more that business leaders are going to be able to take bets on what the models are actually saying, right? And so you actually also can use the AI to identify the specific segments or parts of a data visualization that carry the insight, right? So you might have, you know, you can think of a plot of the world, right? And you've got a bunch of data points overlaid on the world. But really, the insight that your business leader or stakeholders care about might just sit on one tiny part of the plot. And you can use AI to identify that that's the part that people need to care about and call attention to it rather than relying on an analyst to spend their time very meticulously scanning over the entire earth and then finding, oh, that's the part that I should have cared about. So that's kind of what we mean by AI-guided exploration. Got it. Okay, cool. So this is kind of setting the stage a little bit for what this looks like in practice. And there's a number of industries, use cases, I mean, somewhat endless, uh, admittedly, in terms of where this could be applied. But I'd love to make it visual in the mind of the listener here. So I know you had a few that you wanted to dive into. Is drug discovery kind of number one? Can we hop in on that first? Yeah, for sure. So I mean, healthcare, the amount of data out there is is exploding in in that domain. So drug discovery is a very, very expensive process, right? Clinical trials take a lot of money, time. And we, I think we saw you know, during COVID-19, the monumental effort it took to get that vaccine out and into the world, right? And so with drug discovery or specifically drug repurposing, it's actually much, much cheaper. I think it's more than 50% cheaper to repurpose an existing drug and accelerate just to clinical trials than to build a new drug from scratch. And so through data exploration, you have to you have to figure out a way to know which drugs to actually repurpose, right? Um, to, to know what the, the potential interactions with other drugs might be, um, what part, you know, what are the existing usages of those drugs? You need a way to explore all that. And there's thousands and thousands of these drugs out there, right? Um, some of them have failed clinical trials for certain types of treatments. Some of them have passed. And you need, like AI can be a great, great asset to show and pinpoint here are the drugs that are most viable for repurposing 
And on top of that, what are the actual recommended treatments or, or diseases that they could treat? Yeah. Um, so does that make sense how, like, you know, what we mean by drug repurposing? 100%. And we, we've actually, we've talked to a number of players in this particular domain. I mean, life science is very, very big space for AI innovation. To your point, repurposing is a big opportunity. And, but it's it, so much of, of life sciences, as, as you guys know, well, working in this space is just a real wild rat's nest of digging through what we already have, right? We probably know the protein that should be paired with XYZ. Based right. on this, this symptom, we probably could limit down how many of these things we actually try based on what's in the the top quartile of you know realistic fits in terms of uh, you know an amino acid or whatever the case may be. Um, and so much of that is digging through what we have, being able to explore it efficiently. Anything that'll give a drug development company a little bit of an edge in terms of turning around one of these blockbusters would be of, of incalculable value. So conceptually, it does make a lot of sense. Maybe we can talk a little bit about how that exploration is happening today. And then where AI can come in to sort of make some of that repurposing easier or faster. Yeah. And, and right now, the, w- the way it's done, and, and it, it makes a lot of sense, is, is very scientifically and meticulously. But the issue is, so, you know, there's a lot of manually kind of just comparing two different variables and, and just checking, okay, is there interaction here? Uh, what is the interplay between the, those two different, you know, variables? But that takes a lot of time, right? And that, that goes back to what I said earlier, manually trying to sift through all of those relationships and, and trying to determine what's significant, what's not, it really can be accelerated, right? And the, the other thing is, of course, because it's such a you know, laborious and scientific process, you also kind of lose sight of how do you communicate that to, to other players, right? Other stakeholders in the process. So, you know, maybe the underlying methods you know, you still need to check all those relationships between your different potential drug candidates and what diseases they're being used for or drug-drug interactions. You still need to do all of that. But, you know, using the right data visualization, you can actually expose that in the right way, in a way that's understandable and interpretable to other people without losing the, the rigorousness, right? And so that the AI kind of covers considering all those combinations and relationships while the visualization aspect of it makes it easier to communicate that to other other people. Got it. And I can imagine, yeah, so there's there's a, you know, there's an end user element here, you know, whoever is our analyst, whoever is, you know, digging around and trying to find these these combinations and bring a new drug to life. And then there's the person maybe this needs to be pitched to for, you know, funding or selecting of projects or whatever the case may be. So both are are clearly important. In terms of how we break down a workflow like this, clearly pretty complicated, right? I imagine you guys working with a company doing, uh, I'll just throw some random thing out there, you know, some obscure permutation of like eczema, right? Where there's where there's a lot of drug money to be made, there's a lot of suffering to be prevented, and a company is maybe working on it, just some random disease of, of that nature. The particulars of what they want to see combinations between feel like they would be rather bespoke project to project. In other words, for a particular skin disease, we might have data corpus XYZ QRS that we want to connect. But if we're doing, you know, brain tumors, we might might be connecting data corpus, you know, TUV, you know, whatever the case may be. And so it, it, it would seem as though there's a bit of working with the subject matter experts to kind of construct what this machine is, because it's not like an AI is going to climb in there and say, ah, I've determined all the features for you that are going to magically help with this drug, right? There's a man and machine component. Talk to us about kind of the setup of orchestrating that so that exploration can actually happen. 
Yeah, yeah. And this is this is a problem that's really dear to my heart, right? Because it's when we set out, you know, with this company, we we were very focused on how can you improve AI adoption. And I think really it it needs to be focused on human-centered adoption of AI, right? So AI on its own is is only so good, but AI assisting, you know, a, a end user is very powerful. Think R2D2 assisting Luke Skywalker, right? Um so you're exactly right. And, and that's actually one of the, the biggest things that needs addressing in this space is how can you bridge the gap between data scientists who live and speak that, that data world, right? They're thinking about features and combinations, all that stuff, and subject matter experts or business leaders, right? And so that's, that's where even in your exploration tool set, you need things like you know, the ability to just use natural language to query your data, right? And be able to speak the language of the domain and not, you know, have that, you know, lose the, uh, the impact of your, of your analysis or your exploration. So you really need to, you need to form a common language. And that actually is what the data is, is it is that common language between data scientists and, and uh, stakeholders, but you need to expose that in a visual way. And then you need to have like easy to use tools for subject matter experts to attack it as well. Yeah, it's the uh, the uh, you know the, the the holy grail of of AI tools is is well you know any analyst who doesn't know anything about AI can use it you know of course anybody in vendor boots has to has to want to go in that direction it's obviously much much easier said than done to to be able to get there but certainly incredibly important and in life's eye you know there's lives on the line so even more important there's even more use cases we can go into I know you know we had chatted a little bit off mic here around the retail world and looking at sort of the behavior of consumers on that side when it comes to exploration, tons of possibilities there. Can we unlock that one with you and maybe get a bit of a walkthrough? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've been doing a lot of work with different, you know, CPG type companies, retail companies where, you know, take like market basket analysis, right? You've got a bunch of purchases that are attributed to a specific cart or a specific user and you know maybe you want to understand how to pair products together right um so that your marketing team can start putting together flash sales or if it's a brick and mortar storefront right how do you place products within your store so that you know they're co-purchased more frequently and it drives up your your cart value right so for for this use case for example right we were actually able to leverage graph analysis right so so that's that's another thing that's really been trending over the last few years and so we were able to show relationships between different products. So here's a quick example, right? That we're working in a company that sells a lot of candy and you know they wanted to do this type of market basket analysis. They actually were able to find out that if you the number one products that were co-purchased with their candy were uh, hot dogs and and uh, hot dog buns and and variety packs of chips, right? So your standard barbecue fare, right? So from that insight they set up, you know, a kind of like a July 4th sale or a barbecue sale, right? So that's exactly the types of easy insights you can get from exploration. And once you've done that exploration, you've hit pay dirt and you've generated value. You also need, you know, to figure out how can you scale up that exploration, right? If you found one nugget of gold, there's probably hundreds just hidden. And so that's another important part is whatever exploration tool you're using, make sure it's something that can transition easily into going into production, right? Because once it, once you've got value once, you know you're going to want to do it again, right? So accelerating through that follow-through step is so critical. 
Yeah. And, and obviously the way that success is measured in this use case is astronomically different than how success would be measured in the life sciences use case, right? I mean, we're in, in retail, maybe we're looking at you know the the gross product volume that we can sell or something like that. I'm not exactly sure what you know uh, the the candy the big candy companies of America really measure as their metrics. I presume revenue and profit is part of it, but it's clearly more granular than that. But you know if they if they run some you know quote unquote successful explorations, they'd be able to say it was successful by X criteria. Do you find that when folks do exploration well, they think about how that measurement could happen? Because I, I can actually imagine a world where maybe we can't really measure it, right? We, we Every year we come up with promotions. Every year we come up with bundling things. We can't really run two alternative realities, right? We can't run one version of reality where in every store we pair candy X with candy Y and we also pair R with S or something like that. So I I could see a world where people just get really good ideas and they say, hey, this feels really worthwhile. This feels like it correlates. Let's keep doing this. And I could see other world where they say, hey, the way we know that this experiment works would be X criteria. What have you seen in working in this retail world? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like A-B testing where once you've gotten insight or an idea, you you experiment with it and see, okay, let's evaluate and monitor the the revenue generation from that idea in, in our A group versus our B group, right? So th- there are a lot of ways to do that. But the the other thing is, is again, I'll, I'll go back to that, that follow through on the exploration, moving it to production you want to have kind of a continuous monitoring and, and continuous evaluation of how those ideas are paying off. So, so I think that's very much the case. I don't know. Does, does that kind of answer yeah, your question? Yeah, yeah. So being able to kind of have a gauge ahead of time of, all right, if this works out, here's the A-B test that will kind of tell if it does. You know, we'll try to pair things up the way that we had decided we were going to, but then in maybe half of our stores, we'll pair things up with this new cool product combination and we'll try to, you know, skin the cat in a different way. Right. And I think culturally, you want to have a business that promotes exploration and promotes actually flipping every stone and and making sure things are actually going to work, right? There is so many incidents out there of people adopting AI, and then it comes down crashing and burning because they didn't test what would happen if they actually deployed the model or, or they didn't test it under the right circumstances. So, so that culture of exploration is actually really critical to establish early on as well. Definitely. I mean, our, our audience will be no uh, stranger to that that concept. Certainly, we, we beat the war drum of just how much of this change is not going to happen from buying the right tool. It's going to come from uh, executives understanding what AI is, how long it takes to build these capabilities, how to work with their data. And to your point, being able to be willing to iterate and to explore. Maybe we can end on a couple quick little notes here. You've worked with many companies across industries that are adopting and deploying this technology. Obviously, you guys have an, an emphasis here on uh, exploration. Is there anything in terms of you know closing advice for execs that are thinking about making more use or better use of exploration or, or adopting AI for the first time that you would hope that folks listening in uh, come to know? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great question. I think um, there's kind of two main things I would I would want to address. Right over the last you know couple decades, so much emphasis has been put on getting data management and data access sorted out, right? That's that's how we've kind of landed on this lake house architecture and that's being used all over. Now is you know the time to strike on actually finding really strong use cases. All of that was only ever worth it for moments like this and and so, you know, again to to take it back to that that western frontier, the gold yeah, digging, yeah. right? You want to have the best shovel, the best pick to to you know find what's really out 
there. Otherwise, who, who knows what you're sitting on, right? It's not going to magically come tell you, right? It's not going to email you. you. You need to to equip your team with the right tools and resources to figure out what's out there. The other thing is, uh, you know, placing a, a bigger focus, and it was something I, I touched on a moment ago, right? Bigger focus on if you have a culture of exploration, a culture of really checking things, then as you adopt AI, which I know everyone's very excited to do, you'll also do it in a more responsible way, a more intentional way. And you know the, the likelihood that, that your business can kind of <laughs> end up on the front page as look at how badly this went really goes down when you've got that, that strong culture of exploration. Yeah. And, and I guess just in closing here, there's a lot of ways we could imagine that culture for, for you. You know, when you think about maybe clients uh, where things have gone well or not or what have you, is that something that you've seen kind of start at the top? You know, I imagine some people listening in and saying, man, I really want to build that. I'd love to make my department and my organization more nimble and more willing to play the game of AI where iteration exploration is part of the mix. We're treating data as an asset. It's part of the mix. I want that. You know, is it is it really beginning with leadership setting that as a priority? Are there other factors that you see? What can people do to make that actionable for themselves? Absolutely, yeah. I think I think if you look at some of the most successful organizations, it is coming from the top, right? Because you know, right now in the data analytics, data science world, it's very siloed and fragmented, right? People people talk all the time about oh, data is so siloed, right? We're finally starting to address that problem, but if the frameworks and the like the the tool set that people have to do their analysis are all completely different right you're not getting that that multiplier in you know standardizing what, what you're what you're using to look at the data standardizing what you're doing to explore the data so those decisions have to come from up top right because yeah. otherwise people won't know cuz they're all in their little silos for their use cases so that absolutely it comes from the top Big time. Well, I, I hope that uh, as more and more people at the top tune into the program here and sort of drink in some of the wisdom that that great guests like yourself share, that we get to see more and more of that culture come to life in the enterprise, because I know we darn well need it to turn data into value. And I know, Akash, that's all we have for time in this episode, but I sincerely appreciate you being able to join us. Thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to you, our listener, for tuning in all the way through to the end. If you've been a longtime listener, you can probably tell already this is an episode that could very easily have slipped into a very technical domain, which is not really what we do. There are other podcasts where you can go to learn how to write Python or develop some new familiarity with linear algebra. We're sort of about the business meat and potatoes here on the AI and Business Podcast. That is to say, what is the workflow impact and what is the ROI impact of different kinds of use cases, trends, and applications in AI? And today, this concept of exploration, I hope, is a little bit more clear for those of you tuned in. And I appreciate Akash being able to share his expertise on that topic. Again, as mentioned, this episode is brought to you by Virtualytics. If you offer an AI service or product and you'd like to reach Emerge's global executive audience, whether through sponsored research, sponsored podcasts, demand generation, and more, you can learn more at emerj.com slash ad1. That's ad like advertise and then the number one, emerj.com slash ad1. Thank you to Virtualytics for sponsoring this episode, and thank you to you, our listener, for tuning in. I look forward to catching you in the next episode here on the AI and Business Podcast.